the podcast on the Sing Second Sports Network are a ProVision Advisors production. At ProVision Advisors, we specialize in strategic communication planning, execution, and coaching for senior-level leaders and communicators dedicated to achieving success. Visit ProVisionAdvisors.net to learn more. Well, it's a somber day for the joint Sing Second Sports and Navy football podcast. This was supposed to be the Army post-game report. We're going to break down the Army-Navy game, what happened. That has all been circumvented. The game itself is now of secondary importance in light of events here today on Sunday. Navy made a monumental decision. Athletic Director Chuck Gladchuck has fired head coach Kenny Amatololo after 15 seasons at the helm, uh, 25 seasons total at the Naval Academy. Niamatololo, who came to Navy with Paul Johnson from Hawaii, who served as his offensive coordinator under Charlie Weatherby, who came back as associate head coach under Paul Johnson, who was promoted to head coach when Paul Johnson left for Georgia Tech. A veritable institution at the Naval Academy after 25 seasons, Ken Niamatololo is out. And Brian Newberry, the defensive coordinator, has been promoted to interim coach. So, guys, let's get right into it. Eric Catani and Keenan Reynolds, the co-hosts of the Navy football podcast, played at the Naval Academy during the time that Kenny Amatololo was the head coach. He was an assistant when Eric was there. He was the head coach when Keenan was there. Uh, I'll go to you guys. Keenan, thoughts? Man, uh, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head as far as the sentiments today. Very somber day for the program. Um, you know, I just want to say – to coach, you know, we, we love you. We appreciate you. Um, you know, he, he gave a 18-year-old kid out of Nashville a shot in the biggest game uh, of the season. Trusted me to come in and play. And, uh, you know, forever thankful for him, you know, pulling the pulling the trigger on that decision. Um, winning his coach in Navy football history. Um, even better leader and man. Um, love his family. Just, you know, not something you want to see. Um, when you have, you know, deep relationships with the, with the coaches, you know, even after, you know, you left, I think it tells a, a real story, um, how many like former players have, you know, commented and said things, um, all over social media, like from starters to people that, you know, may not have played much, like it didn't, doesn't really matter. Like they, they all said something, they all had good things to say about coach. I, I haven't seen any, anything bad and, you know, I think that speaks a lot to uh, his, who he is as a man. So really appreciative of that. And one thing I do want to say uh, before I, you know, pass it off to Eric is, you know, I think sometimes like in sports, fans get so caught up in like wins and losses and they like call for people's jobs. But I really want them to like kind of take a step back and just imagine if like somebody said you should be fired because you screwed up your report, your quarterly report. Um, people got families, they have livelihoods, bills, mortgages to pay, like, you know, just because you're a little salty over wins and losses, I know we get in the heat of the game and we want changes and we want to win, but you know, these are, these are human beings on the other side of this. These are people, you know, like I said, with families and and people that care about them and people they support. So I would just like for all fans, regardless of how you feel over the last few years and how you wanted to see us be successful, just have a little humanity about, you know, how you call for people's jobs. And I think that's like really prevalent 
in football in general. It's a tough business. I get it. Trust me. I've, you know, I've been a part of that. Uh, but at the end of the day, like there's a human on the other side of that and, and a human with people that love them. Eric, I uh, asked you to talk on the record for the follow-up article I wrote about Coach Niamatololo's firing, and you were kind enough to give a comment. Why don't you tell the people your thoughts? Yeah, uh, Keenan, I think you uh, you said it right. Um, you know, this 24 hours, 36 hours, has been a whirlwind of, you know, losing the game in such a weird notion it's people always you know i've been asking you know what do you think about the fumble and stuff is the the crazy part is if is if anton makes that touchdown now he is the mvp of the game he is the one that every time a 77 yard touchdown he dominated he played well scored two touchdowns overtime and then just you know making that one little mistake of not having two hands on the ball you know costing the you know the game right there it's uh you know the game is in, in inches and and feed, and we and we know that as, as players, and you know, missing now, Coach Neamont. Coach Neamont to me is it's a little different than you, Keenan. He was your head coach the whole time. He was the offensive line coach and assistant coach for the first three years until my senior. He took over from Paul Johnson and took over the head coach, which we knew you know, he'd take over. He was just so brilliant in the uh, in the room and, and and also his leadership skills. And I think people, you know, can talk about on social media and say certain things they want to say, but I think the Naval Academy. For leadership and also U.S. Navy for leadership and, and th these guys that Coach Newman is pushing out, um, they're class act guys. I know my classmates, Tyree Barnes, he's a commanding officer of a ship. Um, Sean White, he'll probably take you know commanding officer of a ship. Uh, Ryan Rowling, he's now a commander. He's taken in charge. There, there's so many guys. You keep naming the list of these guys that have learned about servant leadership. Um, I first learned about servant leadership. There's a a guy in, uh, that worked at our staff, uh, he's a cleaning guy, he was a G, and he treated him like he was a CEO of a company. So good morning to him. I mean, he taught us that he goes, I don't care about your job or your title or your role. Just teach, teach everybody every, and, and, and treat everybody, you know, with the same, same that you want, the same responsibilities, the same class that you want. So, you know, Coach Nemo will be missed. Uh, I know later in the pot, we'll talk about, you know, the wins and losses, you know, winning or losing to, Army uh, over the years, five out of seven, and, you know, and also not, you know, not winning much of an Air Force over the decade. So, you know, Coach Neymar, thank you for, you know, all the years you've done in the Academy, 25 years anywhere is quite some time. It's a pension in the U.S. Navy, 20 years, you're, you're fully retired, as Chris knows. Um, so I am, you know, sad to see him go, but I'm also, at the same time, excited to see what the program can do. And then it's not just the we have a lot of things we got to challenge, and I think NIL and Portal are, are absolutely killing us. Cup blocking is killing us, and then the play calling during the Army Navy game. I wanted to see some throws, and we all talked about it, and tweeted about it, or, or texted about it. Uh, you know, we want to see them open up, and you know, I think we should have absolutely rolled Army. Well, I will just say this, and I will talk later about my discussions with Tech Gladshuck and Ken Niamatololo today. Uh, the Capitol was the only newspaper to speak, only media outlet to speak to either Chet or Kenny today. But one thing Kenny did think aloud about was if Navy beats Army, if Anton Hall scores that touchdown and Navy wins, I think it's a lot harder for Chet Gladchuk to fire Kenny Amatololo uh, following a victory over Army. Uh, on such a momentous day with such absolutely 
earth-shattering news. We have to be joined by our Sing Second Sports team members. Chris Cervello is the producer for both Sing Second Sports and the Navy Football Podcast. John Schofield is the host of the Sing Second Sports Podcast. And I just want you guys to weigh in. You bring a different perspective to things. You served in the Navy, but you're also fans. John, let's start with you. Your thoughts on this news. Yeah, I, I was shocked, to be honest with you, Bill. I, I wondered if it was coming. There were rumors afoot. Obviously, we heard from, from Admiral Lynch in the podcast last week that, you know, a change was needed. You wondered if if that was a prevailing thought throughout decision-making circles. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I have to come back to the release that went out today. And as a communicator and as a Navy PAO, I, I dissected it and I looked at it. And, and for me, you know, whether, whether Chuck Gladchuck wrote that release or Scott wrote that release or it was a dual effort, you know, they, they made a point in the last three paragraphs or the second to last and, and third to last paragraphs that, hey, the record in the last four years wasn't cutting it. The record against service academies wasn't cutting it. And I'm drawing a line in the sand and making sure that people know that that's not sat. And we all deal with unsat stuff. And I thought Keenan said it very well at the beginning, like, all right, are you going to fire me and put my family in extremis because I'm unsat? You know, like the, there are differing levels of unsat. And I've talked to other coaches at the Naval Academy today who are like, this is a brutal business. You know, this, if, if you didn't sign up for brutality, then, then you shouldn't have signed up. But in the end, for me, yeah, you, you've got to weigh it. Um, the human element here, I think about Danny O'Rourke, who's been there forever. I think about Ashley Ingram. I think about Omar Nelson. I think about all these guys and all these players that, that uh, Eric Catani mentioned. And, and you think about the impact that Kenny had. And, and and I think that we'll talk for years about the impact that Kenny had because his players are still out in the fleet doing good things. But but in the end, Chet made, and I'll say this lastly, Chet really is playing a gamble here with his legacy. Um, to make this move, to fire a character guy um, and and put your legacy on the line because in five years, if this program isn't relevant again, if they're shitty, um, you, you want to talk about legacy, they'll crucify it for it. So yeah, for, for me, I think it's a ballsy move and I, I've never seen Chuck Gladchuck lose a fight before. So, so let's see if he loses this one. I don't want him to lose. Um, so yeah, th those are my thoughts. So Chris Cervello, our producer is really kind of, said all season he's been on record as saying if this is another losing season if you get swept by air force and army uh, this this staff is going to lose their jobs and you were right i'm disappointed that i'm right i, I wish i would have been wrong i think it is possible to respect the decision that chet made still be disappointed that coach Niamantololo and the staff will not be back and yet still be hopeful for next year. At least those are the emotions that, that I'm feeling. Um, I met Ken Niamantololo when I was a plebe. I mean, in 1995. Um, I met a lot of the same people that have been in and out. Um, I, I can't imagine uh, going to Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium or to any of the other Navy games and not seeing him on the sideline. I just, uh, that will be different. For me, I want to I want to sort of celebrate uh, the the legacy that was Coach Ken, um, that is Coach Ken. I mean, I, it feels weird talking about him in the past tense, so we we shouldn't. 
Keenan and Eric are like the perfect example of the type of men that he mentored and coached and, you know, their success is like even more than the wins and losses to me. I mean, I, you, you know, Eric and Keenan both mentioned it. I mean, you just see all these guys in the fleet. And to me, that's the real value of Navy football, right? I mean, it's fun to watch on Saturdays and it's fun to, you know, that they've been so successful and they went to bowl games and they brought a ton of money in. But for me, as somebody that was in the fleet, and I think John feels the same way, a Navy football player was just different as a commanding officer. They were different as a department head. Um, they were different as a flag officer. Uh, it's, it's why I think this program is so important to the Naval Academy and to the Navy. And Coach Ken was a huge part of that my entire career. So um, there'll be plenty of time to talk about, like, what the next coach should bring and how they should do recruiting, you, you know. But for me, I'm just super thankful for Coach Ken. I'm thankful for the sacrifices that his family made. I'm thankful for all the assistance that came through Navy and the sacrifices that their family made. And they will be missed. But I will say, I, I like John, I do trust Chuck Gladchuck because I think he had a – significant impact on Navy athletics over the last 20 years. And uh, I'm just uh, ho hopeful that, you know, when all said and done, Kenny and his family catch on somewhere else uh, and that they bring in somebody um, that is of the same type of character as uh, Kenny Amatololo. Well, I'll just quickly summarize some of the accomplishments. Kenny Amatololo departs as the all-time winningest coach in Navy football history. He led Navy to 10 winning seasons, all of which were capped by bowl bursts. He led Navy to six Commander-in-Chief's Trophy Championships. He led Navy to six wins over top 25 opponents. Uh, I can go on and on. Beat Notre Dame three times. I mean, the accomplishments are phenomenal and tremendous. Uh, I had an exclusive interview with Coach Niamatololo. I urge all our listeners to go on to Capital Gazette and read the story. I can't tell you everything he said, but he talked about some of the challenges of recent seasons, COVID, and how it completely changed the way Navy football does business and decimated the team with transfers. And that you saw this team here this season had no seniors, uh, four, five senior starters, and that was it. Not even any backups contributing. Just no senior class. It was gone. It, a donut hole in the program. Um, and he talked about the other service academies doing things that Navy was not willing to do. Number one, stretching players, allowing players that suffered season-ending injuries to come back for a fifth year. Air Force and Army were doing it routinely. Uh, it just became a matter of practice with those two programs. Navy never allowed it. And uh, Coach Ken pointed out that two starting safeties from last season, Mitch West and Kevin Brennan, would have been eligible for fifth years if Navy was willing to do that type of thing. And the administration has just flat out said no. So Mitch West and Kevin Brennan spent this past season as graduate assistants as opposed to playing the back end of the secondary, which probably would have made a heck of a big difference in terms of some of what we saw on the field. So an incredible career. And I will only add this as far as my conversation with Chuck Gladchuck. He said he agonized over this decision for several years now. Uh, it's tough for him because he does have a relationship with Kenny and his whole family. It's very difficult when you're dealing with people that have become friends and they're not just colleagues and it's not just a boss and subordinate situation. So 
He did say he agonized it over it, but he felt that this was the time, that something had to be done. The results and expectations were not being met, and he felt it was his job as leader to make a change. So uh, real quickly before I talk about the future and where this is going, Keenan and Eric want to weigh in on any of the, what I just talked about? Well, Bill, that senior comment, it's huge. Um, you know, just as a player, you get so much faster, stronger, mentally prepared every year. And I know, you know, the jump from your, your freshman to sophomore is big, but junior or senior, you know, if you know you're going to be a starter and you know you're going to, you know, be a key contributor, you know, that's huge. And, and people don't realize, you know, our schedule was, was so hard the past two years. Like if you compare our schedule to army air force or anybody in the conference, like it's, 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 it's very difficult to, win games with a hard schedule and also very difficult to win games with a young team. And, and more importantly, you know, a, a quarterback or two quarterbacks that have not proven themselves. And we know the, the keys to this offense is the quarterback and the fullback. And for those positions aren't proven, you know, it takes a long, long time for those, you know, those, those wins to pile up. Keenan, what do you think about Kenny's talking about not being on a level playing field with the other service academies? And we've all known this for many years that, Army and Air Force are doing things that Navy won't allow. Uh, during COVID for 2020, when Navy players were locked up in Bancroft Hall, absolutely miserable, eating horrible food, and that's why so many seniors are no longer here. They couldn't take it. Army put all of their players in a hotel. Air Force sent all their players home and had them come back as what they called turnbacks. Well, what do you think of that factor in this? I mean, I mean, it's – you know, I don't. I wouldn't say unfair because, um, well, I guess in the case of Air Force, they did break some rules. But I mean, there's there they were with for those specific things, they were within the bounds of what the, their academies allowed. I think, you know, it's it's one of those facts of life that we have we've had to deal with, you know, in the past, and it's just it is what it is. Like there's really not much to say. Um, you know, it definitely puts us at a disadvantage. You know, this like to Eric's point. The uh, the schedule, the strength of schedule has been lopsided. So, I mean, it, it's difficult. But, you know, if you just put like the actual if you take the games aside, the schedules aside and put the service academy games in a vacuum, like, you know, we we have to be better, you know. Um, and I think everybody knows that and recognizes that. I, I mean, that's probably the understatement of the year. But I mean, the question now is like, OK, this is this is what happened. So what's the next step? And I think to Chris's point, um, and and even to uh, to John's point, like this is a really defining moment for Chet's legacy going forward. Like, what? How do you and how do you move about? Like, I think I think you know going forward, you have to promote somebody internally. I think bringing in an outsider kind of screws you can can screw up your recruiting. Like this thing can spiral out of control really fast, right? Just the thing about having a young team, a lot of sophomores and freshmen, is they haven't signed a two for seven. So there's nothing stopping them from chunking the deuces and hitting the portal. And now you're in the same position that you were in at the COVID time because of this massive change in the 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 coaching and leadership. And I know that if if, if they solidify Coach Newberry, um, you know, I've talked to him a few times over the last few years and great man, great respect for him. He's done a, a hell of a job. And I know he's going to lead, you know, uh, he's going to be a great leader for us. But, you know, 
that's why I think he has to, if, if, since he's interim now, I think he has to, they have to go ahead and solidify him as the head honcho and allow him to build that program the way he sees fit. Just for the, not only for the continuity of the team, continuity of the staff. Um, also, like if you think about it, right, the way he's performed on defense over the last three years, um, you know, especially this year being top five in rushing defense. I mean, Army didn't score a touchdown in the regulation on offense let's just throw that out there like phenomenal job on defense you don't think he's got power five conferences beating down his door for for opportunities and if you don't give him a chance to lead there's no guarantee you're gonna have him back uh for another year so i think that uh you know we we got to stick this is a really critical time for the program we have to stick together and uh you know get through this well, so that's a great setup for me, Keenan, because you're going in the direction I was just about to go. Um, that is a key element. John Schofield talked about parsing every word of a press release. I sure did that. It said that Brian Newberry would be was promoted to interim head coach. One standard paragraph from these types of press releases that was blatantly missing was Navy will conduct a national search to find a successor for Niamatololo. So clearly missing from that press release was any mention of going out and trying to find an outsider to become the head coach. And you can absolutely 1,000% bet that Chuck Gladchuk wants, wants to keep Brian Newberry on staff with his what he's done with this defense, he and his assistants. So John, what do you think this is going? Do you think Brian Newberry becomes head coach on Monday during this presser that we're all been invited to and that they then try to rebuild the offensive staff? I think that's really the only way, right? Like, I think that the defense has been the crowning achievement for much of the uh, season and that you want continuity and you want loyalty and you want to reward that. Um, I would really like to see that. I don't know if Coach Newberry wants it. I know he's got you know, small kids and, and a lot of other stuff to do. But, um, but yeah, as a fan, I really hope that that sort of continuity also leads to, you know, retaining a lot of the staff who, as all of us have mentioned, we have personal relationships with Chris. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, that, that's the, the that's the simple answer. Um, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know that he wants it. I don't know that he's the right person to, you know, I worry. Here, here's my concern. My concern is you make him the head coach and then we dilute the defense. I hope they move as quick as they need to move to ensure that they don't unnecessarily lose folks in the, uh, in the transfer portal uh, and that they don't lose uh, recruits that are on the hook. Um, but I wouldn't want them to, I, I would only want them to go as fast as they need to go. I don't want them to rush this thing. Um, so like somewhere in the, in the middle, and I know that sounds wishy-washy, but I, I would hate for them to jump to a decision that we regret, um, because we don't get the right person. And so I, you know, I, I don't know, um, the credentials, you know, that, uh, he, he brings in terms of his ability to be a head coach. I, I know he has head coaching experience, um, but I, I just worry that we're, we would dilute the defense and we'd be right back here in a year or two. Well, it's a very good point. And part of what makes Brian Newberry such a good defensive coordinator is he has an instinct for play calling. And so, yes, if he was the head coach, he's not sitting up in the booth 
uh, thinking two steps ahead with calling plays. So that is an issue. And maybe there's a defensive assistant he trusts that he thinks could to replace him in that role if he were promoted to head coach. Um, I can tell you this. Uh, I, I like all the offensive staff members, obviously. I mean, these are guys I've known a long time. Danny O'Rourke, you mentioned, has been – he came in here with, with Coach Johnson when he was hired from Georgia Southern. He came from Georgia Southern with Coach Johnson. Ashley Ingram was the first coach hired by Coach Niamatololo when he was promoted to head coach. So, But that is one person I do not think Navy can afford to lose, Ashley Ingram. Not only do I think he's a very good offensive line coach, he's also Navy's best recruiter. It's not even close. He recruited Keenan Reynolds. He recruited Malcolm Perry. He has just been killing it in Tennessee. And he is now the DMV recruiter going out and getting the football players from the Maryland, D.C., and Virginia area. I don't think you can afford to lose Ashley Ingram. Eric, I see you uh, You got a thought. Uh, absolutely. Yep. <sighs> The, the coaches have been there for quite some time. Uh, you know, also Mikko Kytus. I went to school with Mikko Kytus. He was my senior when I was a freshman. I actually slept in his rack when I wasn't supposed to, to be honest. Um, but the – if you look at the – you know, people don't realize, like, college football, you know, it's an entertainment business. You know, and the, one of the sayings that I first learned was, if you don't if you don't treat like a business, you have no business being here. And that's kind of uh, – you know, coaches know what they're signed up for. Uh, and then also players know they're signing up for in the pros of, you know, that they cut every day. I got, I got cut a ton of times and it sucks, but it's, it's the world we live in. And also that the, the coaching shifts and paradigms are, are switching so fast. The coaches in the NFL are so young. You want to talk about a, a defensive talent in the college ranks that moves so fast is, is Brandon Staley, head coach for the Chargers. He moves so fast through the ranks. Everybody's like, who is this guy? He's number one defensive coach for, for multiple years. And, you know, we need to either, you know, like Chris said and Keenan said, figure it out quick because recruits uh, are, are figuring themselves out right now. Sign day is in, what, eight weeks? Sorry, 10 weeks. So it's, it's, it's a big, big time for recruits. I, I committed this time of year when I was a, a junior. So, uh, oh, sorry, a senior. And, um, you know, hopefully they could figure out quick. And that's why Check gets paid a ton of money. And, you know, that's why he's making a big decision. So, Keenan, before we move on to talking about the Army-Navy game, because we can't just ignore the fact that the Army-Navy game occurred and talk about what exactly happened there, because that led to what we're talking about right now, frankly. Uh, your final thoughts on the whole coaching change? Yeah, so I think uh, – and I think this will be a great segue into the actual game. So I think I think the right move is, you know, you make Coach Newberry you, – you, you solidify his position as head coach. I, I'm willing to bet a lot of money that there is a – assistant on its staff that he trusts to actually call the plays. Um, as Eric can attest, like in the NFL at the pro ranks, calling plays, coming up with the game plan is a team effort. Even at the college level, it's a team effort. So it's not just one, one you know, mad scientist that's like cooking up the good stuff. You know, I think a really good example would be like uh, Eric Bieniemy, Andy Reid. Like Eric Bieniemy is the play caller, but Andy Reid is kind of the mastermind behind everything, and I'm sure that it's a little bit of a shared responsibility. So I think that some a dynamic like that would be really interesting on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, I don't really know what they're going to do as far as you know moving coaches, keeping coaches. Can't really speak on what what the the decision criteria is there. You know, obviously I have a ton of relationships on that side of the ball. I think you know they got some of the best coaches, but what I do think that we need if we make an addition 
we'd have to get somebody that can develop the intermediate passing game. I know that we had a uh, Billy Ray uh, Strutzman, Stutzman, I think spell check on his last name. Uh, no, that's accurate. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, obviously the COVID situation kind of killed that, like, you know, ended that prematurely. But, you know, we need to bring in, I think, somebody like that to kind of reinvigorate our pass game on the intermediate side. Because what we saw Saturday was we didn't really have intermediate game. Army's pass defense was atrocious. And if we can take advantage of that schematically, I think that, you know, that opens up a lot for us. I don't think we need to change the type of offense we run. We don't need to all of a sudden line up in high formation. We'll never have the the personnel to run that successfully. But I do think that we need innovation um, in our intermediate pass game, bring in some pro-type concepts because there's some concepts running at the next level that are very simple. But if they are if they are applied to our level, will be very successful in my opinion. So, you know, that's what I would do. Like I said, I, I can't really call it for the offensive side, but obviously, like I said, a ton of relationships uh, and – you know, Coach Jasper was like second dad to me. So, uh, you know, want to see him stick around because I don't think you find a better quarterback coach at, that, that runs this type of office, period. A better person to coach quarterbacks. Like the relationships he has with his guys is like the second to none. So, well, that does lead well, very well into the Army Navy game discussion because I think we can all agree that we would have liked to see Navy try to throw the ball a little bit more. I mean, the bottom line is this they attempted two passes. One was the result of a trick play, a flea flicker, and next, uh, you know, the guy was covered. Next, you know, he couldn't connect. And then the, the other pass was Masai Maynard, desperation, third down at the very end of regulation. And then in overtime, they run a great little play action pass that results in a 25-yard touchdown. Mikel Haywood, the slot back, sneaks out of the backfield and is wide open. Why did Navy keep that in their pocket the entire game if that play had been pulled out in regulation it clearly worked like a charm if it's used in regulation you win the game in regulation you're not going to overtime so i'll just quickly set the stage it was a typical army navy game battle of field position navy won the field position battle early got a field goal from bj and nichols army started to win the field goal position and flipped the field a little bit and that led to a block punt navy had to punt from deep in its own territory and one thing we learned after the game is that on a previous punt, Riley Reithman had a slow get off and the coaching staff told him Army is not doing anything offensively. They're getting desperate. They're going to come after the punt. This is actually Coach Coniglio, who coaches the punt team, specifically said to Riley, you got to get the ball off. And what happens? Uh, a, poor blocking up front. Guy comes in uh, loose, you know, un unblocked, and slow get-off time leads to a block punt, which is immediately turned into a touchdown, recovered in the end zone, and all of a sudden, a, a game that Navy had pretty much been dominating, they go into halftime trailing seven to three. Then Navy turns it around. Anton Hall Jr., the fullback who had was a starter to begin the season, turned into the backup, but has rebounded. He breaks off a spectacular 77-yard touchdown run off a trap play in which guard Ahmad Bradley delivered a crunching kickout block. Not only did he get the defensive end, but he got a linebacker as well. And Anton ran untouched into the end zone, 77-yard touchdown, Navy back ahead 10-3, to um, or 10-7 rather. 
But then, unfortunately, at the very end, Army managed to get into field goal position. Quinn Moretzky hits a field goal, ties the score 10-10. We go to overtime. The two teams exchange touchdowns in overtime. As I mentioned, the Navy touchdown was on the pass. But in the end, on the second overtime, Navy had the ball first. Anton Hall was fighting to get into the end zone. He got the ball jarred loose. It was a fumble. Army recovered. And that was pretty much ball game because all, all Army had to do was kick a field goal to win. And that's what they did. Moretzky was converted on the field goal to win it. So let's start with this. They employed a special package for Xavier. They put him in shotgun. It was similar to what they did with Malcolm Perry in 2019. Malcolm Perry rushed for over 300 yards in a spectacular performance. Xavier had some long runs, but he also had a lot of one and two yard gains or losses. Keenan, real quick. Your thoughts on the package that was employed with Xavier in shotgun? I believe you said you would like to have seen us under center a little bit more. Yeah, I was actually surprised at how much we were in the gun. I want to say it felt like, you know, an overwhelming majority of the time we were in the gun. Um, and I, I had predicted that, you know, that some of the gun stuff we were starting to run with Xavier last year would, would come out. But I didn't expect it to be as much as it was. Um, you know, I think uh, – one thing that's always irritated me about the Army Navy game is like, I feel like, you know, a majority of the years we are like the overwhelmingly better team all year. And we get to this game and it's just like, you, you talked about typical Army Navy game. And my question is, why does that have to be the quote typical Surface Academy Army Navy game? Like, especially in years where we've, like, even when I was playing, we had like high flying offenses. We get to that game and we just, we play down and I never understand, I can't understand why. And it's always frustrated me. And I really feel like we really got to change the paradigm um, as a program to like, we are a better team. We should run all over these dudes and, and actually go out there and do it. Like, I don't think it should have been that close. They were not good on offense. They had, I, we knew they weren't going to be able to drive the ball and they were going to need a hope and a prayer to, and a, and a, and a busted play to score a touchdown. And it, it, it rang true all the way through regulation. So, you know, I think uh, we we didn't – I mean, when we did understand it and actually run the ball downhill, we didn't really – it wasn't much there. So, I mean, we were going a lot of lateral, but, I mean, Army was pretty stout on defense. So, it's like, what do we have to do to get to the next step of when we play these dudes, we roll them like we're capable, capable of because we have better players and a better offense. Now, that may not necessarily have been the case this year because offensively we've kind of struggled all year long. But there's been past years where we've had – a vastly superior offense than they've had defense and we've just played down to that level. Um, you know, obviously it's a huge game. Everybody kind of just, it's, it's a tough one to play in, but I think we got to figure out a framework or a thought or, or, or schematics or, st or strategy to overcome that and actually play up to our potential when we go against those guys. And the same thing is air force. Like the same thing happens against air force every year. So Eric, uh, there was passing lanes. I feel I haven't had a chance to watch what Keenan calls the all 22, but I, I feel as though there were passing lanes. I mean, Army had nine, ten guys up on the line of scrimmage. I mean, I feel like at some point you've got to throw the football and not just on a trick play like a flea flicker. I mean, where was the, like Keenan said, some short passing game concepts? And Army traded quarterbacks. They put this Kale, Cole Ballard, Kelly Ballard guy in. You know, Ty He Tyler is their running quarterback. Ballard's the throwing quarterback, and they took some shots. Now, they only completed two of 12 passes, which was 
partially Ballard was off target, partially Navy had good coverage, but at least they tried 12 times to throw the ball. What is your thoughts on zero passing game until desperation in overtime and all of a sudden, wow, we complete a 25-yard touchdown pass? Total frustration. Um, just watching a game, even like you said, you know, 12 attempts. So as Keenan knows, and you throw the ball, you, 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 I mean, the safety is a little worried about the throw. He's worried about that threat. You know, the linebackers aren't, aren't coming in as fast. And everything just goes off that. And, you know, it, it, can X not throw the ball well? Uh, it, are they too afraid that he would, you know, cost him that, that change of adjustment by inter- interception? You know, to me, as a, a player, and if you don't throw the ball, you know you can't throw the ball, there's something going on with his arm or, you know, experiences they've they, they recognized over the couple of weeks. Well, he so, made a great throw in the overtime. It was perfect on target. I know that, but that doesn't make sense to me too, right? As a, as a player and a coach, like if you know his pack and throw, and we threw well against other teams, like what, like it just, it's strange. It makes no sense to me. And, you know, and us in the fourth quarter, two minutes left, not throwing the ball and not getting at least like every NFL team, Every college team will be like, hey, with two minutes, let's get a field goal. Let's win the game with ease. Like, we have a good kicker, right? He almost missed two field goals this game. I think Nerbs was, you know, you know, playing big factor. Like Akina is saying is we, we put a level. I think Nerbs is a big thing. You know, everybody puts such a big, uh, you know, exclamation point to this game. But, you know, it, it was frustrating to watch. It really was. You know, longest run ever in our many history. You know, congrats, uh, you know, with, with that. Um, but, you know, we want that win. We want the W. So, Chris, I brought up a lot of different topics. I mean, the block punt was crucial. I mean, they, you know, you don't give up a block punt for a touchdown, you win the game. I mean, Army was not going to score a touchdown against the Navy defense, which we got to give credit where credit's due. The Navy defense was absolutely fantastic. I mean, all the usual players, Donald Berniard, Biscuit, Clay Cromwell were great up front. Jacob Busick made some great tackles. John Marshall was flying around. Nick Straw was flying around. I mean – they were not going to score against Navy. And so the block punt was just absolutely brutal. Um, any thoughts from you, Chris? All I could think of, Bill, and I, I don't know if Keenan and Eric will remember this. All I could think of was Ryan Buccineri in 1993, I think it was, um, a plebe kicker uh, who had been a blue chip recruit who missed the, the game winner. Um, it was the same week that the team had found out that Alton Grizzard had passed. All I could think about when that kid fumbled the ball was like my, my heart broke for him. My heart broke for the team. I, I guess at that moment, like none of the other stuff made sense to me. I couldn't relate to anything else in the game other than that. And I thought, how is this kid going to how is he going to put this behind him and, and move forward? Um, and so that's kind of still where I am. I mean, there, you, you know. Keenan and Eric have talked about all year that it doesn't, you know, a game doesn't come down to just one play. So I, I mean, I think we had plenty of opportunities to, to play better than a army team that we were clearly better than. Um, I think we could have put that game away many different times. Obviously the, the block punt was, you know, it was unthinkable at the time, but uh, my, my heart goes out to, um, Anton Hall, and I, I just wonder, you know, where he goes moving forward. And, and that kind of brings me back to where we started the pod is like, will he have the 
Um, I know his teammates will be there for him, but from a coaching staff standpoint, like I hope he doesn't fall through the cracks of uh, the uncertainty um, around the, the coaching change. Well, I don't know what else there is to talk about. We've already had a very long pod talking about the uh, change in coaching with uh, Coach Binal Atalolo being let go. And we've talked about Army Navy, which is just incredibly disappointing in my view. Navy won the game on the field, but did not win the game on the scoreboard. And the, the fumble at the goal line and the block punt that resulted in a touchdown were just absolutely crushing. Last thoughts from Keenan and Eric before we take this out. Well, I just want to say, uh, you know, it was, it was great doing a podcast with you. And I want to end this note on uh, actually a Navy football brother that passed away yesterday, uh, Tyler Tidwell. Uh, you know, our prayers and, and, and thoughts are with you uh, and your family as well. He passed away from the, the bad disease of ALS. So uh, go Navy, beat Army, and your prayers are with you, Tyler. Well, I'm glad you brought up Tyler Tidwell, and I wrote about that situation. He had a, Lou Gehrig's disease and ALS, and it was a very, very sad situation. And we've had Frank Schenk from the Navy Football Brotherhood on to talk about the efforts that the Brotherhood has done to help the Tidwell family, and they plan to do more now that Tyler has passed. It was very sad. We got news during the Army-Navy game. It was really crazy timing with the fact that he would pass on an Army-Navy day. But uh, we got news that things were not going well, and sure enough, he did pass Saturday night. Uh, God loved Tyler Tidwell. God bless him, and let's hope he rests safely. Keenan, uh, last thoughts. Uh, Army-Navy, coaching change, uh, anything, take us out. Yeah, like Eric said, it's been it's been a it's been a, a great ride with you guys this year. Um, you know, obviously not the way you want to end this season um, with all this happening in the last thirty six hours. Um, definitely thinking about Anton. Uh, you know, feel for him and what happened. You hate to see stuff like that, and and you know, we all go through so much. You know, trying to get ready and prep on the field, and things happen, and it's just like. You, you ask yourself why me, but you know, that's just part of the game. And these things happen. It happened in 2012 to army. So they've been there. Um, they've been there as well. So I'm just thinking about them, thinking about the team, thinking about, you know, Tyler Tillwell and his family, um, prayers up to them and uh, we'll, we'll rebound. And I think we'll, we'll grow from this and we'll see what happens over the next few days. Well, this Navy football podcast is really blossomed this year. Partnering with sing second sports has really helped the, the podcast grow and increase our listenership so that we're very happy for the partnership. We will be back next year with the same cast uh, looking forward to it and just breaking down how things go forward. Uh, again, I, I kind of agree with Chris. I want to make sure Navy makes the right decision, but I also feel like Navy needs to move quickly. I don't want to see a mass exodus of players out of here or from the prep school or recruits that are committed because Navy spent a week or two trying to sort out its coaching staff. So for Keenan Reynolds, Eric Catani, and our producer, Chris Cervello, I am Bill Wagner. Thank you for listening to the Navy Football Podcast.